COVID-19 is affecting the world, there are a lot of uncertainties for the immediate future. How will the pandemic affect the economy, businesses, and individuals in such changeable times? In this episode of Influx, Gary Hertzberg talks to Fluxman's attorneys about the pandemic's impact on existing and future contracts. I'm Gary Hertzberg, and this is Cliff Central. My guest today is attorney Kevin van Hastien. He's a director of respected law firm Fluxman's Attorneys. He specializes in the area of commercial litigation. A warm welcome to you, Kevin. Good afternoon, Gary. Let's talk about something that's on every, on the lips of everyone, on the tongues and on their whatever in their brains. And I've been reading about it all over on social media. It's about cancellations of contracts as a result of the evil that's plaguing us right now. Let's talk about weddings, 21sts, bar mitzvah, sporting events, concerts. And I guess the list is endless. And all this has been postponed and canceled after enormous deposits and prices have been prepaid. And the cry out from everyone is, we want our money back. We can't have our wedding pay us. The question to you, sir, is there an automatic refund or can companies hold on to your money or offer you a replacement? Well, Gary, I think the first thing that we need to understand is what is the general principle with regard to situations where performance in terms of a contract becomes impossible. And the general rule is where performance is impossible, then the contract is void. So the test is when you apply it to any particular circumstance, are those circumstances such that the contract is truly impossible to perform? So when we come to weddings and we try and apply that principle to weddings, Mm. uh, so let's assume a couple have booked a wedding. It's going to take place in two weeks' time or a week's time. As you say, incurred all the expense. Uh, Relatives are flying from all over the world. And now they, they, they're now saying, well, our contract is now impossible. Mm. Therefore, it's void and we want to be returned to the position we were in before we concluded the contract. Mm-hmm. So the common Sorry, law… the contract is with the, with the venue, venue, the, the photographer, the yes, cake, all, all those. those. All those right. yeah, yeah. A whole host of contracts, in yeah. fact, in the case of a wedding. Yes. So is the contract objectively impossible to perform in mm. that circumstance? And the first thought that comes to mind there is, well, it may only be a temporary impossibility. Mm. We assume and hope that the COVID-19 problem won't last forever. Yes. So whether it's a month or two months or three months or however long, that impossibility that may exist now is almost certainly going to come to an end. Mm. And I don't think it could be said in the case of a wedding that it has to be performed on a certain day. It's not a case of time being of the essence. It's yeah. As much as people may be committed, it's not objectively uh, essential that the people get married on a specific day. And, of course, um, they could get around it. You know, they could get married um, you know, in a smaller ceremony within the, the bounds of the regulations. So their, their uh, ability to argue impossibility, I think, is quite difficult. In other it's quite words, limited. The, the venue hire says… You can have a small wedding. I know you booked yes. for 250 people and you paid half of that, but narrow it down to 99 people, if that's permitted, and have a small wedding. Yes. And uh, that's it. And you can have a bigger wedding, have the other half Later. in six months' time. Yes. And come back to us and we'll accommodate you. Yes. It seems to be a fashion yeah. these days for people to have two, two or three ceremonies. Yes. <laughs> one year, one overseas, yes, whatever. Exactly, yes. Yeah. But, of course, that's the common law. 
So when it comes to uh, looking at the Consumer Protection Act, the situation is a bit different. Mm -hmm. So that allows the consumer to to cancel uh, any booking in advance and be refunded, subject only to the obligation to pay a modest penalty. The the wording of the section is a a fair compensation Mm -hmm. for for the the, uh, expenses that the venue or other contracting party are suffering as a result. Uh, so whilst the common law doesn't protect, the, the statute does. Consumer Protection Act will assist uh, parties who want to cancel their weddings. So practically I get hold of the venue hire and I say I have to cancel. And I, I don't know whether he has to, but anyway, he says so. And uh, I'll pay you a reasonable penalty. Uh, what would that be when you say reasonable costs? The costs – I mean what the hire, the venue hire – um, well, it's, yeah, it's that sort of thing. It would be yeah. look at out-of-pocket expenses. Yes. So, the, the, as I said, the wording of the section is a fair, is fair mm. amount. Mm. So, and the, the the stipulation is that the charge must not be unreasonable. Mm-hmm. It's unreasonable if it exceeds a fair amount, and various factors must be taken into account: the nature of the goods or services, the length of notice or of cancellation provided by the consumer. Mm-hmm. So the, the the more in advance, the better. And the reasonable potential for the service provider acting diligently to find an alternative consumer. The last one is the general practice of the relevant industry. Yes. You know, as we know, quite a, quite a few industries have standard cancellations. Cancellation fees, yes. I think of the travel industry quite often. You have those mm-hmm. standard percentages that apply if you cancel so many weeks or days before a particular booking. Would it be a defense? I'm, I'm trying to throw a curved ball at you. Would it be a defense for the venue hire to say, well, you don't have to get married now, even with the Consumer Protection Act. Get married when all this is over. Please, God, it's over quite Yes, soon. I think it would. I think the venue could yeah. say, okay, we understand right now, yeah. but uh, we'll give you an alternative date. Would you take a date in October, for example? Yes. Yes, I think that would be a, quite a viable uh, proposition. If the couple's desperate to get married because they they haven't had uh, – their marital privileges yet, then uh, they can get married in court uh, quickly yes, yes. or in church and uh, yes. have the ceremony in, in six months' time. Indeed so, yeah. Yeah, that's the way it works. I, I uh, believe that would apply, yes. Yeah. yes. Excellent. Would the same thing apply, I suppose, to a bar mitzvah, yes. A sporting event, what's the position there? You've paid your tickets. I guess that's a different story now. I've well, paid, again, yeah. you've, you've, you've paid in advance. Yes. For a, for an, an event, exactly the same principle should apply. You must be refunded, subject and only to compensation. Reasonable, yeah. reasonable costs. Yeah. But that, that, of yeah. course, is then the consumer mm. relying not on uh, any story of uh, impossibility or saying anything to do with uh, COVID-19. That's the consumer saying, I'm exercising my rights in terms of the Consumer Protection Act, mm. full stop. Well, the sporting event is not taking place, so he's paid a lot of money for this package. It's been cancelled because of the the, the, the disaster. Um, so whose fault is that then? It's, well, it's, 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 it's nobody's fault. It's nobody's, nobody's fault. fault. Yeah. So what about they're holding on to my money? I want I want my, my, my I want yes. my money back. So yeah, you know, subject to what I indicated previously yeah. about. Whether the impossibility is absolute or temporary or partial. It's absolute in this case. If it's absolute, yeah. then, then under common law, 
Yeah, well, under the, the Consumer the per, Protection the first, Act. And under the Consumer Protection Act. Yeah. You're entitled to a refund, yeah. Less, less reasonable expenses once again, I guess. Yes. Okay. The you, common law doesn't speak necessarily directly to the, the obligation to compensate for expenses. I, I think I'm trying to cover every scenario us as consumers would face when it comes to weddings and, and all that kind of stuff. We've paid deposits, not going to take place. So there is a way for us to get our money back, provided that uh, if it can be postponed and done on a later date, you won't get your money back necessarily. Yes. Otherwise, you can get your money back. I think that's the synopsis, less reasonable expense. That's the that's law. Basically, that's it. That's yes. the law. That's it. From the horse's mouth. Now, let's talk about big business. Hold on a second. The Consumer Protection Act doesn't apply to everyone. No. It's got its limitations. Yes. So, it's, uh, if it's under 2 million rand? Yes, that's, that's correct. Yeah. Now we have big business that's entered into major contracts. Just, just to mention, yeah, of course, yeah. under the definition of a consumer yes. is also a juristic person. So, it will apply to business, maybe smaller business, mm. subject to the financial limitation that you mentioned. So basically, the, I've got it here. The Consumer Protection Act does not apply to an agreement concluded between a supplier and a consumer where the state's involved, uh, where it's a business with an annual turnover of more than two million. The turnover is more than two million. So quite or a small owning property of, of more than two million. Yes. Yeah. Uh, relating to labor matters, employment contracts, relating to a loan, and if it happened outside South Africa. I think that's basically it. Yes. Cool. Now we're talking big business. Mm. And we settled with contracts that are nearly impossible to perform as a result of us not having our staff and, and, and lack of, of, uh, of supplies and all the rest. Where, what, what's happening there? So again, we, we, we're applying the, the same principles. Hmm. The question is whether the foundation of the contract is being disturbed by the impossibility. So the one that uh, I'm being faced with quite often at the moment are Requests from both tenants and landlords, mm. as, a, as one example. What's my position in respect of my lease? Uh, my business has now declined. Uh, I can't meet my turnover. I can't pay my expenses. I'm discharging my staff. I'm retrenching my staff. And I can't pay my rent. Yes. Am I liable for the, for the rent? Yes. It's a, it's hurting, it's a tough one. Absolutely. hurting tenants and yeah. it's bothering landlords a lot. Landlords yeah. who are then claiming or well, then saying to the tenants, well, we still want you to pay. Yeah. So what the law does there, it goes back to cases involving um, impossibility arising in wartime. The question is, again, whether your beneficial occupation is being prevented by the operation of the, of the situation that you're facing. Mm. So there are two, two very good examples, one from the First World War, Quite a famous case uh, involving the Kokstadt municipality, mm. where the the two two gentlemen Peters and Flamen were contracted to supply electrical services to the municipality during wartime. They were supposed to provide street lighting, but these two guys were they were Germans, and they got arrested as enemies of the state and interned for the period of the war. Mm-hmm. When they came out of uh, internment at the end of the war. The municipality sued them for breach of contract and for damages for not performing. Yes. And uh, the appellate division eventually helped them and found that that contract was void because they were absolutely unable to perform. Mm. That's to be contrasted with another case uh, from 1903 involving a fellow called Mendelssohn 
who had a business that was affected by the, the Anglo-Boer War, he had, uh, unlike the Flamin uh, situation, he had a complete uh, possession and control of his business. But his business generally declined because of the war. Mm. And he didn't manage to escape his, his liability under a lease. He was held to be liable to pay because he, he had full beneficial occupation. Yes. Uh, too bad that the general circumstances prevailing affected his business and other businesses. I think what you're referring to is the buzzword that uh, everyone's talking about, but a lot of people are don't quite understand what it is, and it's been thrown about. It's called force majeure or majeure. Yes. Um, it's a bit like in Oscar Pistorius' case, they had the Latin term dolus eventualis. Remember that? Yes. Everyone became a lawyer, and no one got it right, not even the judge. Not even the judge. <laughs> Least of all the judge. Yes. Now, let's talk force majeure. There's a movie called Force Majeure. It's not this one. What the hell is force majeure? How does it work exactly? So, force majeure is just one of those terms. Another one is vis major, vis major. Yes. Uh, and an act in of English, God as well. Yeah. The act of God and yeah. the other, the more common one, perhaps the better one, is supervening impossibility, mm. which uh, conveys the concept better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some, some circumstance that supervenes, yeah. that renders your performance impossible. You know, I'm, I'm driving down the road to deliver my load of cement. There's an earthquake and I can't drive. I can't go any further. Mm. Typical example of impossibility of performance. Yes. So there the contract says, or the law says, the contract will then be void. Mm. Everybody must be returned to their position that they were in prior to the contract being concluded. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can get into subtleties. Well, could he, could the driver turn around and go another way sort of thing? Mm. That's another debate. But yes. <laughs> but the, the principle is… Us lawyers could sit here for hours on that. Yes. yes. <laughs> but that's the principle. Okay. So force majeure means that… You are actually unable to perform really and uh Yes. So the question is, now that we're in lockdown, how do these principles of force majeure apply? Well, Gary, the national lockdown takes the whole concept of force majeure to completely new levels. Mm. I don't think any legal system in history has seen the situation that we're now confronted with, where we have a, a Imposed on us from above, from from government at the top, is, uh, highest level, uh, a complete uh, embargo on all normal conduct. People can't even get out of their doors to go to work. Mm-hmm. So if you if you think of a situation, for example, with a tenant um, occupying premises, it could be a business that occupies the premises. The people who who run that business can't go out of their doors to go to work. So their their right of beneficial occupation of their premises that they rent for business purposes is now completely frustrated. Yes. Of course, it doesn't apply to all sectors. We saw Sorry, the, does that mean he doesn't have to pay his rent? That means he doesn't have to pay his rent, yes. Is that for every business? Well, you that, have, That's kind of in lockdown, a factory that whatever is affected, it may be. Yes. Yeah. So the sectors of the economy that have been excluded mm. won't be affected to the, to the same extent. And some areas of business will be affected more than others. Let's talk about an attorney's office because we're both lawyers. We're working from home. I guess we still have to pay our rent or not. Well, we may be able to to generate income for the practice. Mm. but Not a full income. No, yeah. definitely not. And, yeah. and we're certainly, to the extent that the premises are necessary for the conduct of the business, mm. which is normally the case, mm. uh, you're certainly in a situation where you cannot – 
derive your beneficial occupation of your premises. Uh, It may be that there's a temporary, not a complete, uh, suspension in the sense that uh, hopefully after three weeks we'll get back to normal business and then the the period of temporary impossibility will end. Mm. Another example, I had a query this morning from a client who's busy building a wind farm in the Eastern Cape. Uh, he's got strict time limits, as you can imagine, in that contract where he's got to deliver uh, a certain number of units uh, at a certain rate. Mm. All that's now gone out the window. He can't meet those time deadlines at all. And my advice to him is that in that circumstance, his obligations are suspended by the operation of the of the national lockdown. I guess his contract had penalty clauses in it that uh, he would have to pay certain damages. That so falls away completely. The penalties won't be applicable. Yes. Because to try as he might, he can't do he it. He can't do it. He can't even get out of his doors, mm. and his employees, uh, skilled or unskilled, also can't get out of their doors. I guess this is very much every case on its own merits. You can take the hair salon to the lawyer's office to the windmill, Definitely. whatever it is. But it's interesting to yeah. to dwell on the on the thought that dating back to Roman times, mm. a principle was established which applies today and actually provides a workable remedy right across the economy. Does it have to be in your contract? Does it have to specify that if this and this happens? It doesn't. You don't have to have a term in your contract. It's a good question. Lots of Mm. people think you do have to have it. Mm. I had exactly that question from one of my golfing friends this weekend. He said, I see in one one contract I've got the clause, other other contract I haven't. Mm. He's a guy who has a couple of service stations and he rents out premises to KFC, mm. worrying whether he's going to be paid his rent. But the answer is that, that the, the principle applies regardless of whether it's in the contract or not. If it's in the contract, if there's a, a, a clearly worded clause which specifically deals with the problem, then you'd be guided by that clause. So it's important to emphasize that Whilst you have this uh, overriding general principle that um, overshadows all, all contracts, no matter what they are, you still will be regulated by the terms of the contract at the end of the day. Mm. Uh, when you come to evaluate the particular application of that principle in relation to the parties to that contract. So the parties could – they can contract out of it, for example. You could have a clause which says – that nobody will be able to raise the issue of impossibility of performance mm-hmm. as a defense to obligations under a contract. The standard uh, force majeure clause that we find in South African contracts basically says that if there's a natural disaster or a fire or a flood, an epidemic, a quarantine, it goes on to a few things. It doesn't say any, it doesn't specify HIV or, or whatever, COVID-19 in any Form. Mm, no. Would that allow the your very friend uh, tenant the uh, the ability to raise the defence that I can't pay because uh, there's no customers? Well, yes, it would, provided that the 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 uh, the results of the impossibility is such that his beneficial occupation is limited. So, the example of my friend that I gave with his KFCs. Mm. I don't think his tenants could evade liability because their 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 right and occupation of the premises is not is not directly affected mm. by the the restriction. Mm. They may have a general decline in people buying chicken, mm. 
Yes. But that's not go, not going to be a, be good enough. That's different from the the guy who has a a lease over a premises that he runs as a pub. Um, where now he can't have pre- people coming in after six o'clock. Uh, we can't sell alcohol after six o'clock. Uh, his contract was concluded on the basis that he would have that right. Mm. It's an inherent part of his of his contractual environment that he will be open till normal closing time of whatever eleven o'clock, and be selling alcohol to patrons and and you know getting people into sing music and whatever else. Kevin van Hastine, let's just go to the tons of restaurants that are suffering like like never before. Well, okay. applying, I mean, applying yeah, those principles, yeah, in yeah. my opinion, yes. they have a basis to, to, if not get out of their leases altogether, to certainly moderate the amount that they have to pay in accordance with the extent to which they have beneficial occupation. Well, they've been, the landlord has given them occupation. It's just the circumstances beyond that of the yes. landlord. So the law is, yeah. the law is supervened yes. into their rights of or exercise of their beneficial occupation. And limited the amount of benefit they can get. So, sorry, so I understand it. So, you saying that the restaurant has has lost partly part of its benefit, or yes, it has lost part of its but benefit. Is it the landlord's fault? It doesn't have to be the landlord's fault. Well, whose fault? What it's is the, the reason? The, What's the, the reason? The, the, the test is that it's yeah. a supervening impossibility. It's an event, a piece of legislation that's Im- imposed by the state. So as a result of the state imposing that regulation. So what advice do you give tenants? Should they seriously consider not paying their rent because… I think they must must take advice and they must uh, engage with the landlords. I think factory tenants would be in a different situation. Factory tenants are probably going to be in the same position as Mr. Mendelssohn. Well, they're going to be complaining that they've had a general decline in business, Mm. but not that their beneficial occupation has been… Restricted in any way. This is more of a moral call for help, for empathy rather than That's a right. legal one. Yeah. That's right, yeah. So the law doesn't consider your, the morality of it, of the landlord's actions. It's a question of can the landlord recover it or not. That's yeah. similar to the situation I think that a lot of consumers find themselves in with their mortgage bond obligations and uh, loan obligations, overdraft obligations. Uh, we have seen some signs of the banks indicating that they may – Give some sort of holiday to people, yes. But I don't think that right is claimable. I don't think that the the general circumstances um, prevent the tenant, or sorry, the the consumer, from performing in terms of a contract like that, mm. a loan contract. This has been a fascinating discussion, and it's one that I'm sure people are going to hold on to because it affects so many of us. And uh, I think we kind of got from you. The correct understanding of what the law really is. And I want to thank you for that. Thanks very much. Yeah, Kevin van Hastien of Fluxman's Attorneys in Rosebank, Johannesburg. Many thanks. Hope to see you again. Thank you. See you soon. Thank yeah. you, Gary.